0: Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: Blue wire. It's exciting to win money.
2: Back out to Allen.
1: history bang. Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambler's not your problem.
2: You're just an idiot. Welcome to the Full Slate Sunday Scaries podcast brought to you by betonline.ag. I'm your co host, Cody Darwick, joined by my brother out in Chicago, Tyler Darwick. Tyler, we're back from our little Memorial Day break.
3: Yeah, it was nice being uh, back in New Jersey. Uh, being with family, getting on the beach during this uh, pandemic, so always good to uh, be back home. Yeah, yeah.
2: Do we want to? Uh, do you want me to give you a minute here to talk about our golf match?
3: No, there's uh, there's bigger things going on. But I mean, I beat you for the third straight time, so that was nice. I, I don't need to embarrass you much more on these airways.
2: Okay, that's good. Yeah, I figured I'd steer into the skid and let you uh, get some shots off. But uh, yeah, we had on uh, a great guest, Nick Davis. He is a, a fellow podcaster on Blue Wire. Um, his podcast is called The Veterans Minimum. Nick's had a bunch of uh, pretty awesome guests over the course of time. So check out his podcast. He was really uh, generous with his time and kind of talked about his background, how he got started. Um, the kind of state of the sports world now things coming back and, and a couple of betting tips for uh, teams going to Miami to play sports so check it out enjoy it and we'll be back next week with another episode there's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner bet online NASCAR is back and bet online has hundreds of other games events and sports to get in on you can still bet on simulated NFL NBA and UFC events 24/7 Or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And coming up next Sunday, BetOnline has ex-Chicago Bulls Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges joining them to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling After the Dance. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. Cool. Okay, and Tyler and I are very excited to welcome on the full slate airwaves Nick Day, as host of Veteran's Minimum Pod, fellow Blue Wire
1: family member. Nick, thanks for joining us tonight. Guys, it's a pleasure. I've been uh I've been following some of your stuff since I connected with Blue Wire and listen, I mean this with the utmost respect. You guys are pieces of shit like I am because all my friends say if you're into betting, you're a piece of shit. So I always welcome my kind of folks with open arms. Yeah, we we appreciate that kind of flattery, Nick. I totally understand
2: <laughs> what you mean there. Um, but you've you've got a lot of cool stuff going on with your podcast, and I think just to start here, a little background on yourself and how you got into this
1: podcasting world. Yeah, so I've been um, I've been doing a podcast. I've been doing Veterans Minimum since. August of 2015, uh, just always been a hardcore sports fan and just wanted to start something. I had a couple of buddies of mine. We put it together and it just started to take off. It was doing really, really well. And then from there, a year later, I started my own sports betting show, which was kind of diving into games and giving picks, but more so giving you the information And then from there, you do what you please. Because as I'm sure you guys know, trying to be perfect in an imperfect world, like sports betting, it could get really, really crazy on the internet. So what I always prided myself on doing is I'll tell you where the money is coming in from. Uh, I'll tell you who the, the pros and the Joes are betting. And you could tell based on like line movement and whatnot. And it was a really good show. I did that for about three years. I also did a wrestling show too. And then over time, I just, I felt like, I was spreading myself too, like too wide, you know, like I was in so many different ventures and then I kind of just narrowed down to VM and the show's been doing really well. It's very laid back. I rarely prepare notes because I like the authentic reaction and responses from my guests and it's doing well, man. I can't complain. It's life is good as future and Drake say.
3: (laughs) Good to hear. So During this sports shutdown we've been having over the past few months, how have you kind of, you know, in the media, I'd say we're all in the media under the Blue Wire name, How have you kind of tried to put out content and keep, you know, original stuff coming out when we don't have live games to talk about?
1: I got really lucky because every March we would always do a specific series on the VM Airways. So last year we did a series called top 25 under 25. So it was the best 25 athletes, in our opinion, in team sports that were under the age of 25. And it went into Christian Pulisic and soccer and for PSG. And then you would have like Pat Mahomes and you would have Giannis and you have all these other names. And it was a really cool segment. And then the year before that, we did another series too. So I had this thing already mapped out from about December of the top QBs of the 2000s. So that covered the first five weeks of quarantine and yeah, has it sucked not having live sports? Absolutely. Especially when you're a sports show, but it's been really easy because I just like to talk and I feel as if I also like the storytelling aspect of it. I guess that's why I'm a wrestling fan, but if I could just have a conversation with someone and sure sports is at its core, but you know how you got into it, your upbringing, some interests that you might have outside of what you're known as I recently had uh, another fellow Blue Wire uh, family member, Chris Van Vliet, on my show and people were surprised that he's into fishing and he has all these other interests and he's moved countless times to pursue his goals and and this journey that he's on. So it's like I like to ask questions that I would be interested in learning from my guests because I think everyone has a story. Mm-hmm. and
2: so I think it's interesting that you said you started the pod in 2015 which I feel like the last three or so years I mean the podcast world there's just some massive influx right like Tyler and I started this about a year and a half ago um, we've seen what's going on with the ringer being acquired Joe Rogan um, all all these major moves in the podcast game what has kind of kept you like can you talk about having being on year five of podcasts like how's your show evolved and did you think initially when you started it that you'd still be interested in doing it uh, this far along?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely thought that I'd be doing it this far along. Um, you know, I am I just turned 29 in March. At uh, 26, I decided to put braces on. And, you know, it was pretty awkward being a 27-year-old dude with braces on. Let's like, like, just be honest about it, you know. But it was something that I wanted to do because it was something I was insecure about. Right. I had baby teeth and it was like super obvious that I had baby teeth and I just wasn't comfortable in front of a camera. And I always get feedback that people like my voice, which is weird to me because like, you know, it's your voice, right? You don't. don't everyone hates their own voice. Yeah, exactly. But people liked it and they liked uh, my personality and my opinions. And that's really what all sports talk really is, right? You have an opinion and you like to voice it. And if you put facts behind it and And stand your ground and defend them then you can create something so the long-term aspect of it I just saw how it was evolving right I also know from personal experience five years ago when I was telling people hey I got a podcast it was like oh dope that's really cool now it's like hey I have a podcast of course you do because Mm. everyone has a podcast now right according to iTunes I saw about two weeks ago so I'm sure the number has changed, but they said 980,000 podcasts on Apple, right? That's, you know, almost a million podcasts, dude. That's a lot. You know, you guys started a year and a half ago and it's just, there needs to be something, there needs to be some substance behind it. And now I've just seen the whole narrative on, on podcasts has switched. And then when you have, like you mentioned in passing Cody about, Joe Rogan and the ringer. Now I think people are realizing like, Oh shit, this is a really big outlet. This is a really big, uh, like, uh, genre of media too. And it should be taken serious because people don't make hundreds of millions of dollars if it's not serious. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah. You usually, you mentioned a good point, the storytelling aspect of podcasts. And I think that's why we've seen such an explosion with it because usual podcasts are 40 minutes to an hour. So you're spending a lot of time with these people getting to know them. You feel like you're in the room with them when having the conversation for your show veterans minimum. Is there any inspiration behind that name? And also I see your nickname, the lamb. Is there anything? What's the story behind that?
1: So I'm Greek. Like my, my family's Greek. I speak Greek, read it, write it. So for Greek Easter, we eat lamb and when I was younger I just took a picture next to one and my friends for some reason your friends find shit funny you know and they just started laughing with it and ever since then everyone calls me lamb and there's also like four nick d's in my friend group so it was just easier to just be like all right instead of just yelling out nick and then four people turning around it's like all right there's lamb so that's where that comes from And veterans minimum it's like a sports term right like a guy's 38 years old. He's chasing a ring with Golden State or the Clippers. And it's like he signs for the veterans minimum. So it's funny. Anytime I see a reporter say, oh, this guy signs for the veterans minimum, I just like tweet at them like, yo, make sure you tag me. Just like mm-hmm. it it's, it's good <laughs> it's PR.
2: Like, it's good. Yeah, PR. It,
1: it, it's something that's very popular in the sports world. And it's across all sports. Like these athletes tailing in their career, they want to either keep playing or they're chasing a championship. So they sign for the veterans minimum.
2: Well, one of uh, one of your recent guests, I saw. I think maybe in February, John Franklin III uh, okay. from Last Chance U. Tyler and I were huge Last Chance U fans, especially Same. that, especially the first season. Yep. um, thought it was incredible. How did you get connected with him? One, and then, I mean, just generally, uh, did did you play football? Like, what were what were your thoughts on on that show?
1: So I uh, I don't advise people to do this. As far as getting guests, because I'll admit I'm very annoying. Um, I'm very persistent. Uh, I'd rather you tell me no than tell me maybe or, or sure, and then never happen. So if you tell me yes, I'm going to follow up. You know, mm-hmm. like, all right, I'll come on your show. All right, cool. I'll let a week go by. And then from there, I'll just email like, hey, man, just want to follow up. Uh, that's usually how I go about getting my guests. Now, with John Franklin III, my buddy Alan, who's my co-host on VM during the football season, He's worked for SB Nation. He's a co-host on The Falkaholic. It's an Atlanta Falcons uh, podcast. He has done the whole journalism and sports media circuit, so he's very well connected with a lot of names. And he just knows John Franklin III's agent, and that's how we were able to get him on. That's how we also got – I've had uh, Ariel Hawani on also, and uh, him and Alan have worked together in the past before he joined ESPN. So. Yeah, to answer that initial question, how I got him on—that's usually how I go about getting my guests. I'm not—I'm not ashamed to put myself out there to get, I guess, attention. I've tweeted at Gary V like 190 days in a row trying to get him to see me. Like, it's something I just copy and paste. Don't tell anyone over and over, and I just change (laughs) the number. But yeah, man, like I've—I've quit so many times in the past on things, and now it's like the one thing that really keeps me going, and I'm really happy about. So I want people to know I think my show is good. The feedback on the show is good. I know the work I put into it. So I know I'm not lying to myself about it and I want people to know it.
2: did you uh did you happen to watch the hard knock season when Ali was on the Raiders when he got sent home after a day?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was I, that was heartbreaking. I, that was tough. Yeah. Just to continue
2: tough. down the last chance, you wormhole real quick.
1: Yeah, yeah. That was tough. But also, um, I didn't answer your second question about me playing football. I grew up uh playing a lot of sports, dude. Um the, the biggest mistake I think I ever made was quitting soccer. I quit soccer when I was 16 and I was actually like really good. I was on uh, travel teams. We went to Europe and played. I got scouted by a couple teams out in England when I was young. Um, but then I just like, I always say soccer is my first love, but football is my passion. And then I played high school football. The background from soccer got me to kick at Buffalo state for a year. And then I kind of just like gave up on playing football because I went from being a quarterback to a kicker and like kicking sucks, dude. Kicking is, is like not fun. It's very boring. You're not in the practices at all. Really? You're off to the side, like a cast off and then they'll call you to like do some extra points or field goals. You're basically just kicking into a net. So I've had a, a sports background. I played baseball, soccer. I just started doing jujitsu for four months now and that's the new thing that I'm like super passionate about. So I'd say I'm fairly active and 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 big on like playing sports as well. Jack of all trades. Yeah, a little bit Swiss army knife, you know. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, sorry, I, I uh, lost connection there for a sec, but I'm back. Um, you mentioned before we jumped on that, You follow everything, you bet everything as far as sports, and you've been tweeting a lot about UFC gambling. Cody and myself haven't gotten into that yet, so could you give some advice for us and any first-time UFC gamblers on what to look for, where there's value, and uh, everything going on there?
1: I don't want to say it's easy to bet on because nothing is easy to bet on. I took to, to interrupt
2: you, Nick, real quick. I bet on Woodley last night. And that was that was a poor decision. I was just tailing uh, the guy, uh, Harry, again, uh, on Twitter. Cousin Sal's buddy. That was a oh, mistake. Yeah. <laughs> so my first UFC betting experience, I was like, mm, okay. It can only go up from
1: here. So I'm, I would say of all the sports, that's the one that I've gotten. It's the newest sport that I've got into in betting. And I've started betting on UFC back in... 2016 2017 around there because one of my good friends from my neighborhood in queens jared gordon fights in the ufc so obviously when you have a friend who makes it to the big dance and you're a degenerate you're gonna bet on him but you're not gonna tell him because that's a lot of pressure so my friends and i went and we bet on him his first fight he was like a minus 120 favorite very unknown because the one thing that's very difficult with the UFC is there's a lot of guys that make their debuts. And I think that's the hardest fight to try to identify and have a feeling on what you're going to see, because it's hard, man. Like there's levels to this and you could be undefeated on the regional circuit. And then you come in the UFC and before you know it, you're 0 and two, and then you're back on the regional scene. So I started betting it back in 2016, 2017, There's a lot of big favorites in the UFC. You'll see a lot of minus 400s, minus 800s. Like Amanda Nunez fighting next weekend uh, on the pay-per-view. She's like minus 400. Uh, I don't want to call it a lock, but I'll be shocked, shocked if she doesn't come out victorious in that or even finishes that fight early. With big favorites, I think there's a lot of value in big favorites more so than any other sport because of the way they could finish fights. So
2: in terms of like up and coming fighters that are entering UFC or on the rise, any names that if, if we're going to get in, like this is the guy to tell and this is a fun one to get involved with any, any thoughts there.
1: So there's actually a guy that's fighting this weekend. Um, I bet I'm on his four or five winning streak. His name is, Sanhagen, he fights in the 135 division. Um, Very lengthy, very big for that division. It's essentially a pick'em fight. He's fighting uh, Aljamain Sterling this weekend. That's a guy I would definitely keep my eye on. I think he's a dark horse in that division. Uh, I was all over Gaethje. I know I'm going back a little bit. You know, he just fought Tony Ferguson, but Gaethje's been a wild card, and you could tell because the popular term that's thrown around in the UFC is styles make fights and Gaethje people don't know he's an all-american wrestler but he's never attempted a takedown in the UFC and if you're tuning in with someone for the first time to watch the UFC and you show him Justin Gaethje they'd be like dude what are you talking about he's not a wrestler all he does is brawl but with with the with the Tony fight it's like you're able to see the the come up of certain guys and Tony Ferguson 36 years old, 37 years old. He did that that mock weight cut a couple of weeks before. Every fighter you ever talk to, they hate weight cutting. So to do it for no reason was kind of questionable. So uh Gaethje was a guy that I was on. I know that's going back, but it's you could tell certain guys on the come up based on how they perform and if they if they have more tools in their toolbox, like if they could wrestle if they can strike, if they're jujitsu guys, it's just more ways that they could win.
3: Got it. Make sure to uh, follow all those guys as we go on and hopefully, you know, start to get some other sports back. We had Bundesliga going on. Um, it looks like the NBA is going to reach some sort of decision this week, hopefully, on their return to play. As we look towards the NBA most likely coming back, are you going to be hesitant to bet, given these guys haven't been playing, or is there. Anything you think in your head that is going to be a certain advantage for certain teams?
1: Yeah, I'm definitely going to be hesitant. Look, these dudes haven't <laughs> played; they haven't played basketball in in months. And you're going to come back and maybe go right into the playoffs, or you're going to play two weeks and then go into the playoffs. Like, I would definitely be cautious in what I'm doing. Um, I'm upset that I'm not going to be able to do my absolute favorite thing to bet on. Nothing is better. Uh, it's the closest thing to a sure thing in sports betting. And it's anytime a team is down 0-2 in a best of seven and they come back home for game three, you bet them in the first half. And it is – dude, last year, the only time it didn't happen, the Pistons played the Bucks, and, like, Blake Griffin didn't even play. So I didn't even bet that. But every single time last year, it covered. I went on a crazy run in the NBA playoffs. And the logic behind it is because you're down 0-2. It's your first home game in the series. Your team is fired up. You can't go down 3-0 because you're not going to come back from it. Your crowd is still engaged because, hey, man, this might be the one that we could win. And that first half is really where you could catch the team. So it's, it's a trend to, I think, Odd Shork said it's like 69% over the last 15 years. And you guys know as, as betting, uh, if I knew I could pick 69% every year in football, I wouldn't be flipping eggs for a reason uh, for yeah. a living. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, where? Do, yeah, where do I need to wire my money? <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Take all my money. So, uh, yeah. I'm definitely to answer your question, Tyler. Man, I'm definitely gonna be a little hesitant because, look, dude you can you can take all the jump shot videos you want, and you can do all these drills. When it's gut check time, and and it's an actual game, you know, game shape. You always hear game shape be brought up. Also, now there's not gonna be anyone in the crowd. So, is there yeah. even a can you even handicap a home court advantage for someone? You can't. Yeah. I was yep. going
2: to what are your thoughts on, seems like they're kicking around the idea of piping in crowd
1: noise, no crowd noise. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Nick? I think guys, the upper echelon guys, the crowd noise doesn't matter, right? Kawhi, he's played in Golden State. He's played in all these finals. Uh, I know Golden State isn't going to make it, but like, Curry, Durant, LeBron James. Do you think LeBron James is going to care about crowd noise, dude, he's in game seven in Golden State, one of the most hostile arenas in basketball. So I don't think the crowd noise, maybe for the young teams, might throw them off. But for the most part, I don't think that's really going to play a role in, in anything for me, the crowd noise.
3: Yeah, I think it, if anything, it makes the teams on more of an even level playing field. You look at a team like the 76ers and the Heat, who are so bad on the road this year, very good at home, without the crowd noise, without playing in a hostile away arena, and they're all playing in the same stadium for however long this goes. I think that gives them an advantage. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, the Bucks, the Lakers having great regular seasons, no guarantee they come back and they're clicking – right away do you think there's going to be an automatic asterisk for whoever ends up winning the title this year
1: my buddy my buddy dylan is a huge new york rangers fan and the rangers are going to be one of the teams to make the playoffs based on this new format that the nhl is going to do and he's like oh it's not going to matter if they win the stanley cup i'm like dude you're gonna buy a banner you're gonna go to the parade like it's not gonna matter i don't i don't believe that asterisk stuff at all one bit because in the end of the day if you're a fan of the team, or if you bet on them and they win, you're not going to worry about it. You're going to go cash your ticket regardless. Mm-hmm. So maybe for the people that aren't fans of the team, they might complain about it. But for me, I don't think there's an asterisk. Especially
2: if they proceed with a, a playoff format that's not like a rushed best of three single elimination thing. Like They really do this thing the way Silver reportedly wants to. And actually, they do best of seven from however if they say bring back 22 teams and then you have what four from each conference trying to play in like if if the Lakers or the Bucks, if one of these teams actually ends up winning it all I think I don't think you can put an asterisk next to it per se Tyler I think some of the points you hit on about uh teams that were bad on the road like how how will they look um I'm I'm curious to see, like for instance, I was looking at some of the odds, so we can get into this here. This is my long-winded way of pulling this up, uh, but Bet Online, our sponsor here at Blue Wire, I was just looking at the odds to win the the championship. So it it's literally been months since we've looked at this thing, but Lakers are plus two ten, the Bucks are plus two seventy five, the Clippers are three to one, and then from there it drops off. Celtics 12 to 1, Rockets 20 to 1, and then a couple others further down. Nick, do you think like do you think this thing's going to be pretty chalky with no fans or do you see the stage set for more more kind of mayhem and upsets given there's not going to be a home court
1: advantage? If there's ever going to be a year where the chalk doesn't hit or There being mayhem, like you mentioned, Cody, I think it might be this one when you factor in everything. I think no home field is huge for certain teams like Tyler mentioned in passing uh, with the heat and the Sixers after, before we finish, I got to tell you this wild Miami heat story that I have. And it's right up your alley for being a degenerate. It's perfect. But I want to stay with this theme before I get too sidetracked about the NBA championship. It's, it's always been chalky, right? Like in, in the history of the NBA, um, I tweeted this out a couple of months ago. Since 1990, only four times has a top five favorite uh, not won the championship. So it's always like, if you look at the preseason odds, it's, you know, the Bulls were a favorite going into the 90s, right? The Lakers were favorites. The Spurs were always a favorite. Those Heat teams. It's never a shock that it happens. The times that it's happened, it's the Detroit Pistons, right? Ben Wallace. Rasheed Wallace, Hamilton, Billups. Mm-hmm. Um, then the Raptors last year, they were like 18 to 1 to come out because you didn't know what Kawhi you were getting. Uh, they traded the Rose in, they fired the coach. You didn't know who Nick Nurse was really. And then the other time was the Mavericks with, um, Dirk. with, uh, with Dirk and when they beat the, the Heat team. The fourth team, it's, it's escaping me right now, so I apologize for that. But it's not something that you see, uh, oh, 50 to 1, that's the team to watch out. It's happened in the NFL. It happens in hockey a lot. Like a goalie just get hot gets hot and then an A seed like the LA Kings end up winning the championship and they were ninety to one before the season started. But with basketball, because it's superstar driven, you're not gonna find your, you know, oh, 90 to one odds, that's the team that's gonna it's very rare. It almost never happens. So for the most part, I think it's gonna be chalk. The consensus has been the two LA teams and Milwaukee. I'm still gonna go with that.
3: Yeah, even I mean, you mentioned the Raptors, even like going into the playoffs last year, they're the two seed and it still felt crazy that they won the title. So that speaks to the chalk you mentioned looking at the odds that Cody mentioned, I think the Rockets at 20 to one are intriguing just because again, taking out the home court, that team still has a ton of talent. Harden, yeah. maybe he'll be well rested or maybe he'll come back twenty out pounds shape. out of shape. Yeah. We don't know. I, I think Joel Embiid will also be um an interesting guy to see how he comes back. Uh, he's usually not in shape during the season, but what was the uh, Miami heat gambling story? I'm I'm curious to hear what that was. Yeah.
1: Let's circle back on that. All right. So <laughs> we, I, I'm a big fan of the city of Miami. I go twice a year with my buddies for years now. And I've also been to a lot of Miami heat games down there too. So we go for a buddy of mine's bachelor party and we get tickets to the game. We got it through. Uh, he went to the fan duel championship for basketball two weeks prior, and they gave them tickets to any venue that is sponsored by FanDuel at the time. So we're like, all right, we're going to be in Miami. Let's go to a game while we're down there. They were playing the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets got in town Wednesday night. They were in Miami for two nights. Mm. We got word from some people that we knew that were working at some nightclubs that they were there morning of the game until 7 a.m., Mm. the heat were a three-point favorite i told my buddies hey i think these guys are catching the miami flu they're (laughs) down there they're partying you know it's been like 20 degrees in new york for about three weeks they go down there it's 75 degrees so we bet a pretty nice amount of money and the heat beat them by 34 35 they were up 30 at halftime And my friends are just shaking me and we're all drunk in the stands like, you're a genius. I'm like, I'll take, I'll take what I can. So inside information is definitely helpful with the betting. That is
2: true. Actually. Now that I think of it, having like, if you know, like say the bouncer at live or one of these clubs in Miami, like they all go to one of one of those places. Right. So if you can just catch, that seems like a profitable betting strategy. and, And we can apply that across multiple sports.
1: It's also like the Miami flu in sports betting is a real thing that gets factored in. It's the the Miami heat in, in the playoffs, um, their history, they have a very high cover rate because when you play in the playoffs, it's not like you're there for a night and then leave. Like if you're going to go there for game three and four, you're going to be there for four or five days. Mm -hmm. You're not going to stay in your room the whole time. These guys are going to go out. They're going to go and party. And it's a real thing. It happened with the Vegas golden Knights when they went on that Stanley (laughs) cup run. Mm-hmm. I remember up until the All-Star break, they lost two games at home. It's like, yeah, dude, if you're going to go – it was the first time we ever saw a professional team in Vegas, right? And these teams are going in there. They're not going to – they're going to be in Vegas. They're not going to stay and hit curfew. Like, these guys are going to go out. And that's what was happening. And the Golden Knights, they went all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that stuff is real, man. Those big cities, party cities, uh, Toronto also, they've said that that has a big home field advantage for whether it's the maple leafs or the raptors um i would mention new york but the knicks have sucked my entire life so i don't even want to mention them yeah but that's a that's a real thing man The the whole it's it's a weird thing to say because you think professional athletes and you know they're by the book but man in the end of the day they're these rich dudes that like to have fun and if you're gonna be in a city like that you're gonna go out so just something to consider I always do. Yeah, that that yeah. is going
2: to be something to monitor, right, with the Raiders uh this upcoming oh, NFL yes, season, right? right. If, if the NFL one starts on time but two if they have fans in the stands at all or I mean generally stuff's open in Vegas like especially these guys that say are maybe cooped up in in a city that's still on lockdown, that's something to follow, I think.
1: And even even in the East Coast teams for the most part, their travel day is oftentimes thursday nights or friday mornings when they're going to the west coast yeah so you figure if you're the new york giants and you play i don't believe they play in vegas this year but let's just use them as an example because i'm a giants fan say they go out to vegas and they're there friday morning they got friday night and saturday in vegas who knows what could happen i think that's going to be i i forgot about that cody about them being in in Vegas, dude, yeah, I think yeah. we just
2: gave all of our listeners a very uh, profitable strategy. I'm sure Vegas isn't weighing this at all either, and I'm talking about the bookmakers. So, we're ahead it's of it.
1: it's it's something it's something new, right? Like, we don't know how much of a factor it's going to be. So, there might be an edge to taking the Raiders early on in this in this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: it'll definitely be interesting to watch. I remember the Miami going back to the Miami flu they played the 76ers who we talked about awful on the road and that was like around the super bowl and they're in miami and it's just all those combination of things the sixers ended up losing that game by 30 so i remember that you mentioned you're a new york giants fan so where are you where are you on the daniel jones uh you know i guess spectrum and also what do you think of eli joining twitter uh last week
1: oh that was funny he seemed like such an uh, 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 old pops that just got on social media, the way he was tweeting. I like, I like Daniel Jones, man. I, I'd like him more if he didn't turn the ball over three times a game. That'd be fantastic. But I think it's the first time in 15 years that I've seen a quarterback that fits the time. And what I mean by that now is if you're not a mobile quarterback and you don't need to be Lamar Jackson, cause that's a rare breed, but you need to be able to pick up a third and six with your legs. And Daniel Jones, only Lamar Jackson had a higher yards per carry than him last year as quarterbacks. And that's factoring in Russell Wilson also who likes to run and some of the other guys in the league that like to move around. Cam Newton before he got hurt. So I like Daniel Jones. I think the the Giants, their season could go one of two ways. They could completely tank, which is what I'm leaning towards because there's so many question marks. Um, Or you always see that jump from a team who – goes from worst to first or makes uh, a playoff push, right? The Niners last year were 7-1 to win their division. I actually bet them at FanDuel. That was one of the only bets prop bet. I'm a big prop bet guy. I don't know how you guys feel about that. I love props, dude. Mm-hmm. And that was one of them that I, I nailed on, 7-1 for them to win the NFC West. So I think the Giants are in that. It wouldn't surprise me if they go 11-5. I think that's it. Could play out one of two ways with them. I'm
2: just curious to see Joe Judge in year one as a head coach. Like that, that hire to me was so out of left field. And the thing, so one, they bring in they bring in Joe Judge. They hired Jason Garrett as offense coordinator, which just has a ton of comedic value uh, to Tyler and I. We're 49ers fans, so just Mm -hmm. growing up, the way the Eli and you guys beat us uh in in this giant second Super Bowl run that that always stings um so they bring in Jason Garrett which has a ton of comedic value but they also have Freddie Kitchens on this coaching staff Uh, like this is going to be a wild room of just head coaches (laughs) in one place um so we'll see
1: how that goes well I think it's important to remember that the Cowboys offense was not the issue um they were first in DVOA. They were second, I believe, in, in, in yards. And I know, look, yards is a little misleading because there were some games where they're down 30 nothing, and obviously you're going to pass from behind. But their offense wasn't the issue. I think with Jason Garrett, he was there for a long time, ultimately didn't win. Uh, it's it's rare to see a coach like John Harbaugh be there for so long. Bill Belichick, that's a rare breed. Let's not even mention him. But like even Andy Reid, eventually his message just grew old in Philadelphia and they had to get rid of him. So I think Jason Garrett might be one of those guys who, when the Giants signed Pat Shermer, I was devastated. I'm like, dude, this guy is a fantastic Robin. He can't be Batman. And that's how I think Jason Garrett's going to be. I think he's a great sidekick. And if he's your offensive coordinator, I don't think it's going to be as crazy. Sure, comedic value, obviously. He's the clapper, right? Mm -hmm. He's, He's the former Cowboys head coach. But I think as an offensive coordinator, uh, I'm kind of optimistic, him.
3: Yeah, I think that's a good analogy you made. He could be a Robin. He was originally the offensive coordinator for the Cowboys like a decade ago, and they are pretty good then. So maybe not giving him all the responsibility, he will get better. Um, You mentioned before we started also that you're you're a Mets fan. You don't follow the MLB, and I think you're kind of a good test case, I guess, for – the MLB is having a lot of issues right now with getting the players and the owners on the same page. And if they don't have a season, a lot of casual fans or maybe people like yourself who just follow their team are going to drop off. Do you think the MLB has a chance of getting its shit together? And what, what do you think the lasting impact if they're not able to get a season going would be?
1: Oh, it'd be devastating, especially when your sport's been on the decline for all these years. Look, it's, it has one of the worst... Um, they post some of the worst numbers in the 18 to 30 demographic. It's if you guys have gone to a baseball game recently, everyone's on their phone. It's too slow. You, all the complaints are the same. And I think with baseball, it'll be a huge mistake if they don't play a season because dude, we're such a, in the moment society, we care about things that are happening now. And if baseball disappears, some of my buddies that are big in hockey think that they haven't bounced back since the lockout that they had in the early two thousands. And that's been 15 years ago right so i think the worst thing that can happen to mlb is to not have a season so they need to agree on on something but as you guys know man anytime money is involved it's it's not easy to negotiate no matter what it is
2: yeah it's it's certainly a situation where i think they're at real risk in an already declining sport like you said of just yep going even further down into a place that we didn't know and maybe like i was listening to someone that was saying that the nhl uh if they come back and baseball doesn't nhl or will emerge um and be more popular than major league baseball and like who's to say that baseball won't continue to fall further than that um so i'm i'm hoping that they can get something done but everything you read it just like seems the owners came back with this latest offer, and Max Scherzer tweets out his response, basically being like, "We're gonna act like that offer didn't even happen." Yeah. Um, And at the end of the day, they're they have like about a week, I think, to get this thing done because you can't you can't finish a baseball season in December. So the they're certainly on the clock, and and I don't know. We'll see what happens. What do you, what are your thoughts on the NBA's throwing around this idea? especially now given when they're going to come back of starting the season on Christmas day, basically running through the summer uh, next year. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I think it's going to be a very chaotic summer because next year, the Euro cup got pushed back in soccer. So it's going to be and
2: the Olympics too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be hard. I think one of the, the big issues with what I would do if I was a baseball guy is I would start the I would cut, like, it's easier said than done, but I would cut, like, 40 games to 120. I think a lot of people, a lot of the baseball experts think 120 is, like, a good barometer to, like, go off of. And then you start the playoffs in September before football really gets going because, dude, I think one of the big issues with baseball playoffs is it's in the middle of the football season. No one's really watching that. And if you're starting your World Series, say, September 20th, it's like, all right, it's only week three of the regular season for the most part, or week two. And, like, the World Series is there. It's like you get more excited. It could get lost in the shuffle. You have NBA is starting around October, NHL. If you're a soccer fan, you have Champions League, Midweek, all the Premier League, La Liga, Bundesliga. It's just a lot, and it's easy for it to get lost in the shuffle. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, I mean, MLB just over the past decade does – you look at the NBA with social media, the NFL is a giant. MLB just has not been on that par. And you mentioned, you know, 18 to 30, that's a demographic you're trying to cover. So yeah. the majority of those people are following NBA, NFL, and probably I feel like soccer is rising up too. And the NHL, you know, they threw out the plan and it seems like they've that agreed upon. They still have to work out some things, but if the NHL is able to be the first professional sport that's back. You're capturing everyone who's been desperate to watch that. So, for Cody and myself, who aren't really NHL fans, that starts out before anything else. We'll be watching it because we just want to see something. So the MLB has its time now to maybe be the first sport back. But it, there's just so much tension and a lot of history of those sides not agreeing on anything that I'm um, in the camp where I, I think they're done for this year. And some owners are saying they don't even care um, if there isn't a season, which I think is a very short-sighted uh, view on it
2: and it's it's crazy that the owners essentially since there's no uh salary cap like it's not public how much mm-hmm. how much money all these owners and teams make which is different than every other sport so it's like you're negotiating with someone telling you oh here's here's the percentage split we can do but like you don't know what number you're splitting <laughs> so it's kind of like a crazy place to be negotiating from
1: you guys kind of touched on it how important it would be for the NHL to be able to capture new fans. Think about how well the UFC has done the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I know people that have never that hate the UFC because it, you know, it's uh it's a barbaric sport, right? It's to, they're against the whole cage fighting thing, right? There's a negative stigma to it, but they tuned in cuz like you said Tyler, we haven't had sports in so long and like everyone's thirsty for this and it did great and i actually thought with no audience it did tremendous it was it was cool and it was dope to hear the punches and the kicks and and the grappling exchanges also and being the only show in town they got some good numbers from if, even if you put it up against like past events it did really really well for them and they got more eyes on their product
2: yeah especially you look at it too from the betting side of things the ufc i think 249 For some books, they're saying it was uh, a book out in New Jersey said it was basically larger than any betting of any like regular season NFL game they had seen. And we all know NFL's king, which is wild. And even last week, the match with Tiger and Phil, Mm -hmm. DraftKings said that was their most bet golf event ever. Um, So the sport and was a, an exhibition. Um, so we'll see, hopefully some of these leagues come back sooner rather than later. So our sports guys have a little more uh, stuff to talk about, but Nick, this has been great. You've been really generous with your time. Uh, where can our listeners follow you and veterans minimum, uh, on social and give all your plugs, man.
1: I appreciate it guys. Anytime. Uh, sports betting is the one thing I could talk about for hours. If you want to do another 20 podcasts. Just let me know uh at the lamb show on all social media outlets instagram twitter twitch facebook linkedin and i'm everywhere um you're not you're not gonna not see me is what i like to say so i at the lamb show and at veterans minimal man is a podcast you get a little bit of everything over there
2: hey this is megan rapino and i'm sue bird we've decided to turn our crazy ig live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure Enjoy the show. A Touch More.
1: New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts.